our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. It is great to be with you. Thank you for joining us. As I try to continue to say, it is an honor and privilege to speak into your life during this time. I know this is one of the wildest things that I've ever experienced, and we continue to pray together for our world. We started this series last week called Teach Us to Pray, and I want to emphasize every week I'm speaking about this that Hopefully, I'm teaching you as best of my ability how Jesus teaches us to pray. Now, this is not Brian's way for you to learn how to pray, but hopefully for all of us, the time that we learn to pray like Jesus. And I would invite you to join in and pray with us and set an alarm on your phone for 8 a.m. and noon and 6 p.m. I know for me, it's been a blessing to stop and say the Lord's Prayer at those times. And please join us if you haven't started yet. Set those alarms and join in. As we begin this morning, please join me from your couch at home saying the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. I was talking with a friend of mine who is a therapist this week, and she said something that she was seeing before the time of coronavirus, but also during the time of coronavirus, is that people have good intentions, but they aren't necessarily acting on them. She was talking about, specifically, she is a Christian, but she is not a Christian therapist. So if people bring up their faith, she's able to talk with them about their faith. And also she has some questions that she will ask people as they are coming to counseling with her. And one of those questions is, do you have a a faith background? And what is it? And is it important to you? And when people answer that they are Christians, she then can follow up with them. And oftentimes they say, yeah, my faith is really important to me. I'm a Christian. And so she'll start to ask questions. Okay, well, what does that look like for you? Are you part of a church right now? And she said, it is shocking how often she hears from these people. Yeah, my faith is really important to me, but I don't, actually go to church anywhere. And I really am meaning to do that. I'm supposed to, you know, at the beginning of this year, I thought about doing that. I'm about to go. And she hears that so many times that she said one of the things that she thinks is contributing to anxiety and depression and rates were higher than ever before coronavirus is because we have all these intentions and they're good intentions and they're things that we should do. But it's so hard for us to actually do them. I know that that's true in my life, that there are things that I want to do and I set out to do, but just like the dog in the movie Up, I'm like, whoop, squirrel, and I turn right away to something that I don't really necessarily need to pay attention to. 
Economists are saying that right now we are in the economy of attention. People spend billions of dollars to get your attention. So you stay just for a couple seconds longer on your phone. So we're very distracted and we have these intentions and we want to be better. We want to improve. And I know for all of us, we would admit that prayer is something that we'd like to get better at. We'd like to work on. We'd like to find some way to make it a part of our routine and our life. And as I said last week, I think Jesus doesn't necessarily want you to pray more as in words, but I believe he invites you to pray more as in Often, he actually says right before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, don't just stand on a street corner and pray these long prayers where you're trying to get God on your side by just rambling on and on or using this eloquent language. In fact, what I want you to do is pray very simply. This then is how you should pray. I mean, there used to be times when we were bored and we would sometimes use those portals as a way to pray and get to God. A few years ago, Mandy and I were on a flight, and this was before Wi-Fi was on planes. And we were on a flight traveling um, across the country. And as we were doing that, they came on and they said, and now our in-flight movie is the Katy Perry movie. And she, like a mature adult, was like, well, that's not really something I'm super interested in, not a huge Katy Perry fan. So she reaches for her book and she looks over at me and she sees that I'm putting my earbuds in and attaching my, (laughs) attaching to the airplane speaker so I can listen and enjoy the Katy Perry movie. And she looked at me like, I don't think I know you. We've been married for a short amount of time. I don't think I know you yet. And I said, what? I might as well watch this instead of just sitting here. And because of that, I have some pretty passionate opinions about the Katy Perry movie. I think the whole Russell Brand relationship was just made up just so there was a bit of a plot to the movie. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been anything at all. So if you have some thoughts or you want some more feedback on the Katy Perry movie, just let me know in the comments and I'll get back to you. If you want to have a long discussion, I could do a great sermon on that. But there used to be times in our lives where we would be bored, where we would just sit there. And now there's Wi-Fi on planes so we can watch the movies that we want to watch. It's not just one movie for everyone. And I think this economy of attention where we're distracted makes it so we can't live into the deeper realities of life. And we know that prayer is important. Do we actually believe that? Today, we're going to focus on the middle of this passage that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. What Jesus is wanting us to think about there is inviting how heaven's reality, where God is king, where the kingdom of God is alive and active, that that would come here, that we as people could join God in that and that God could participate with us as well. Jesus believes something that I think if we're honest, we struggle with at times. That your prayers change reality. Do you believe that? That your prayers change the world? And I'm not just talking about like non-Christians or atheists here, people who don't believe in the God that, that we do in the way that God is personal and active and alive. I would argue that many of us, we struggle. Some of the times it's Christians who struggle the most with prayer because we're commanded to do it. And we've had times where we've prayed for things and the result didn't come. 
where we've really, really prayed and got on our knees and said, God, we really need this to happen. And it didn't happen. So sometimes we think of it maybe as just a ritual. But Jesus seems to believe that when you pray, things happen. And on the flip of that, that when you don't pray, things don't happen. I love how Dallas Willard says this. He says, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether or not we pray, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. Of course, God does not respond to this. You wouldn't either. I've said before, and it's something that I try to quote often, one of the things that I think is the worst about our society and the way that we live today is that we don't really necessarily believe that God can do anything. Especially for those of us who happen to be in the United States and living pretty comfortably, we need God every once in a while when things get really bad. But for most of us, we are living somewhat comfortably and we're able, even during a hard time like this, to have enough food on our table and have enough money, even though it might be a little bit harder right now, to get by. But at times we need to recognize that God is still active and alive and it matters how we pray. It matters what we say to God. It matters, Jesus is saying, that we would join in and say, God, bring your reality more and more here and help me to be part of that. Help me to give my life more and more to that. And then Jesus says, give us our daily bread. And oftentimes, I think when we pray, we are only at this space where we are requesting things of God. And as I said the first week, I think this is a template for prayer. It's not necessarily saying like only you can pray for giving daily bread. It's a template and saying this is the part where you would turn your needs over to God. And it comes after you have declared God as holy and set apart. But now, yeah, give your needs to God. What are your needs? What are the things that are on your heart? And it's so important that we recognize that just like the prayer starts with our Father, this says our daily bread. Because when you pray like that, when you pray not just for your own needs, but for the needs of others, for the needs of the world, it changes your reality. I'm so proud of the work that Chris and Crystal Sotomayor do through Missions of Hope International, especially right now. Uh, they are our missionaries and we're so happy to, to support them. Chris does the video work for Missions of Hope and that organization right now has raised over $500,000 to feed people in the Mathari Valley, one of the poorest slums in the world, over $500,000. And Chris is a huge part of that because he makes videos for this. And we all know that video does a great job of selling a product and selling a real need that is in our world. And so he's done an awesome job doing that. I'm so proud because that is the way that Jesus wants us to act in the world. He wants us to pray and then be kind of the kind of people who focus not just on our own needs, but the needs of the world. Because when you pray, give us our daily bread, I bet God hears that differently from you if you haven't had trouble with food insecurity in your life. I bet God hears that differently from you than somebody who is in Africa right now. But that's exactly what good prayer does. 
It helps us to not just think of ourselves, but to move and think about how God sees the world. And it's obvious that this give us our daily bread is a way to think about the Exodus story in the Old Testament. God redeems and rescues the slaves from Egypt. And as they begin to wander in the desert after crossing the Red Sea, they start to dream a little bit about what it was like in Egypt where they had their meals. And it says that they talked about how they missed the potted meat of Egypt. If you're dreaming about spam, you might be a little bit in trouble. But God delivers this group of people manna, bread from heaven. And there's something that is so rich about it that as you try to store it up, then eventually it spoils. But God is trying to cure the nation of Israel from the Egyptian economy, where their worth and value was about how many bricks they could make. It was bricks upon bricks upon bricks. And even at times the Egyptians said, oh, you can't even use straw for a while and you still have to meet this quota. And your worth was how many bricks you could make. And it filled you with anxiety. It was really like just running on this treadmill and going as fast as you could. Does that sound familiar at all? It just seems like the world is going faster and faster and faster. And we're wondering if we can keep up, but we're looking around. It seems like everyone else is. So we just keep going. God knows that the only anecdote for anxiety is trust. So God begins to deliver this daily bread from heaven. I think the nation of Israel, as they are wandering in this space, they find themselves very much like us, where we don't have all the answers. We don't know when we're going to feel safe and secure. We will never, I think, after this experience, ever feel fully safe and secure again in the same way that we did before. But can you see the way that God is still giving you your daily bread? And then, can you look around our world and think about how you can be part of bringing the manna, the food, the good news of God to our world? Because it isn't just third world countries that are in trouble. Even in places like Los Angeles, Jesus invites us to pray a prayer. Give us our daily bread. As we think about the needs that we have, Jesus says, don't just focus on your own. I know it's a blessing for me as I pray over the prayer list that we have at church. There are always things about my life that are stressful or things that are going on. But as I pray over the needs of our church, I recognize that there are people who are going through some hard stuff at all times, not just during the season, but at all times, there's people who are mourning the loss of loved ones. And the fact that I'm connected to a big community makes it so that I'm always mourning a little bit. I'm always grieving with some people who are grieving. And I actually think that's a very good and healthy thing. Because if we just approach God and approach prayer, like, all right, here's this list. And all right, God, I give you an 80% for that. You missed one that was pretty significant, but I'll give you like a passing grade for helping me. And I'll be back again in a few weeks. I think ultimately it's not what we want. 
St. Teresa of Avila says this, more tears are shed over unanswered prayer, or over answered prayers than answered ones. Uh, St. Garth of Brooks says something similar. And oftentimes it is just this list of things that we want God to do for ourselves. And that is not what it looks like to live as a whole person, to live as God's representative in the world. It's about praying in such a way that you get outside of just your own needs and your own wants. That you say, yeah, I know God that you saying yes to this as I pray for this, like it impacts someone over here. And there's a bigger community in the world that we are all praying together. God, can you see, can you bless not only me with my bread, but the bread that everyone needs right now? There's a parable that Jesus tells that I think is just a real hard word, especially for those of us who happen to find ourselves in the United States at this time. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 19, he says this, there, the, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and make bigger ones. There, I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I think we would have a word to describe that guy. We would say he's pretty smart. He's made a good plan. But Jesus ends up calling him a fool. And what should stick out to us, it especially sticks out in the original Greek. There are 11 pronouns in there, and they're all about him. Myself, I, me. Just over and over again, this guy is emphasizing, and Jesus is telling us this story. Like, this is somebody that you do not want to be. You don't want to be someone who's just thinking about your own needs and thinking about not like, wow, I have this abundant harvest. How can I bless people? How can I say thank you to God for giving me this abundant harvest? Instead, let me just say me, I, myself, and just 11 times in this very short passage. This guy's just talking about himself. Let's be honest, this parable is one that stings a little because we can focus on building bigger barns ourselves. One of the fastest growing industries in the U.S. is self-storage. Here's a quote from The Economist. The self-storage industry's annual revenue in 2019 was a whopping $39 billion in the U.S., with a 3.6 one-year increase and nearly 50% increase, nearly 50% since 2010. Industry revenue continues to be one of the fastest growing sectors in the U.S. economy. Self-storage. From that same article, I saw this, which just was unbelievable to me. There are more self-storage facilities in the United States than there are Starbucks, McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Pizza Hut, and Wendy's combined. That's combined. Not just Starbucks. I would have thought there was more Starbucks because there is a Starbucks on every corner. There's usually like a Starbucks across from a Starbucks right now. There are more self-storage Units, or not units, facilities, which is always has more than one unit combined than all of those things. We're pretty good at building bigger barns. And I know for me, I can identify with this guy who just says, me, myself, I, 
instead of thinking as Jesus calls us to, we can so easily just make God into our own image. One of the most lasting examples of prayer of the last 15 years is Ricky Bobby's prayer in Talladega Nights where he is praying to the little cute baby Jesus and his wife gets on him a little bit and he says, hey, wait, my favorite Jesus is Christmas baby Jesus. And then he begins to pray, you know, dear eight pound, six ounce little baby Jesus just barely can make a fist and he begins to pray. And so often, I mean, we're very much laughing at that. Hopefully you are when you watch that movie. But so often we can just make God into our own image. And as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us our daily bread. It's basically like, all right, God, your kingdom come as long as it doesn't impact all my stuff. And yeah, thank you for the bread. I'm good. We don't really think about how we could be part of a bigger solution. How we could be part of bringing good news the world. This prayer, I think, is so transformative. As we talked about last week, it is so important that we begin with the holiness of God. And then as we get to our requests, it wouldn't just be for us. That hopefully we would have a faith community that we're attached to, that we're praying for, praying for specifically. And hopefully there are things that we're all passionate about in our city that we're volunteering with and around the world using the blessings that we have, not just to build bigger barns. And I know it's sometimes hard to figure out what exactly does prayer do? Do we actually believe that God is active and alive? But let's just take the supernatural off the table just for a minute. Let's say that there isn't something going on, even though Jesus says that there is. Let's just say that when you pray for somebody, you're actually going to do it. I feel like it's more, even for people who don't necessarily pray at all or believe in God, if someone says something that is pretty significant, that they have a cancer diagnosis or their mom is dying, it's almost a way to just get out of a conversation like, oh, you know, sorry about that. Like, I'll keep you in prayer. And we'll say that and not necessarily mean it. But what if, again, taking the supernatural off the table, what if when you said that, you actually did it? And you genuinely like prayed for that person? You know how prayer has changed me in that way? When I actually pray for people's needs and pray for them and bring them before God, you know what happens? I follow up with them. I ask him a week later, like, how are you doing? Have you found anything else out? Is your mom okay? Even if you take the supernatural completely off the table, which Jesus doesn't want us to. But as I pray for more than just my own needs and my own stuff and my own bread, it helps me to be a better human. To recognize that, yeah, that person is still walking through some hard stuff. She has some serious needs. I'm going to continue as I pray for that person to follow up with them. To say, yeah, I'm here for you. I think we need that now more than ever. Richard Carnes says this this way, quiet isn't a place you go to for an hour. 
It's a place you carry back with you into the world. Prayer isn't just something that you go do and then you're changed by yourself and then it just doesn't change the way you act in the world. We, through connecting to the quiet and stillness of God, can then see the world how God sees it. That makes us better people. May we learn to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us, give all of us our daily bread in such a way that we don't just think about our own needs and our own stuff. May we think about how we could be part of giving the good news of God, the bread of God to the world. As I was preparing for this sermon, I couldn't help but Think of Jasmine Guevara, one of our church members who I'm so inspired by. I was talking with her a few weeks ago and she shared about something that she's been part of through her work that has been a real blessing to people. So we're going to watch that video right now and hear how Jasmine is truly being a part of giving our bread to our city right now. Hi everyone, it's Jasmine. I miss everyone so much and I'm excited to see everyone again. And I wanted to share a little bit about Um, the really special work um, we've been able to do over the last couple of months. So I work at Cedar sinai in the philanthropy department. Um, And since the start of the pandemic, we've really tried to be responsive to the community needs we've been seeing. Uh, One of the biggest we've seen so far is food insecurity, um, and especially healthy food insecurity um, at a time when people really need to be eating and as healthy as possible. So a couple of months ago, I saw uh, from a listserv that a farmer's market operator in South Los Angeles had had to close all three of their South LA uh, markets because of the pandemic. Um, South LA is already a food desert and this would only really exacerbate that problem. Um, So three farmer's markets being closed was (laughs) unacceptable. Um, I called the organization and figured out kind of a creative use of our grant dollars um, in order to bulk purchase uh, from the farmers mar- the farmers market vendors. Um, the produce that was still being grown but would have otherwise gone to waste because it can't go to market um, and as a way of supporting local family farms um, to keep their staff employed. Um, so we called up the county and we said, hey, we have this food can't really give it out at Cedar sinai right now, but do you have a venue we might be able to use? Um, and from there, everything kind of fell into place. Um, they hooked us up with Exposition Park, um, and along with CHP, um, the sheriffs, um, LAFC, um, local unions, and a bunch of other incredible partners, um, we've been able to distribute uh, produce boxes, fruits, veggies, eggs, to about 1,100 families through a big drive-through roundabout um, every Wednesday. Um, It's been incredible to see how people have stepped up to make this happen. Um, I've been coordinating about 50 volunteers from Cedar sinai every week and about 50 more across all of our partner organizations. Um, Everybody who no questions asked showed up and helped us to get this done. Um, So every week we've really been reaching about 5,000 individual people through this help um, and it's it's just been a blast. Like people are so, so receptive to it. We get a lot of honks, a lot of waves, a lot of thank yous. Um, It's really, really been um, 
very faith affirming to see. Um, we originally granted for the program to go for four weeks um, and we heard a couple weeks ago that an anonymous donor had been inspired by the success of it and actually gave us $100,000 um, to continue it for two more weeks um, with an expanded service to serve one of our own partners, LAFC's um, own part-time staff who had been laid off. Um, so it's really, really been amazing work. It's, we've been able to address both the food needs that we've been seeing, the healthy food needs we've been seeing, and we've learned that the partner farms we've been working with um, have been able to A, prevent more than 80,000 oranges from going to waste, um, but even more importantly than that, have all been able to keep their full staff employed and have actually hired on their employees' families um, who were laid off from their own agricultural jobs. Um, so the fallout from this has been so, so positive. Um, I've really been able to see God's light shining through all of it. Um, I'm really reminded um, of John 6 in the biblical feeding of 5,000 um, and how you can really start with so little, but as long as we are all on the same page that everything comes from God and we are just here um, to be stewards of the resources we are given and to be part of these kind of divine redistributions to make sure really that all of our neighbors are fed. Um, so I feel so privileged to um, really have been a part of this and to work with such incredible colleagues and partners who really made it all possible. Um, and if you're at all interested in helping us out um, and God speaking to you through this, the way I've been able to see him speak to and through thousands of people at this point um, in one of the craziest times of our lives, um, please let me know. Um, we've actually been funded to go through the rest of the summer. Um, so we're really excited. And I hope to see everybody soon. Thank you so much to Jasmine for inspiring me and inspiring us. Because again, it isn't just in places like Africa where people don't have sufficient food right now. I think it's amazing that this came literally just from her idea. She's been part of feeding tens of thousands of people in our city. How awesome is that? And she's started this program with just a few weeks of money to make it happen. And people heard about it and saw it and started donating. And it's become something that's going to run through the summer. This is what happens when the people of God understand that we must pray, give us our daily bread. God makes us into the kind of people that we want to be. May we truly recognize that prayer isn't about a list of our own needs. Yes, that is a part of it. But it's also about praying for the needs of those we love, lifting them up, praying for our world. And may we do that right now in places like Los Angeles, in places like Nairobi, Kenya. May we recognize that as we pray prayers like this, it is going to help us get beyond ourselves and to think about how we can be a blessing in our world. As we close today, we're going to sing a song that has the, the very simple refrain, that God is good. 
May we recognize God's goodness, that God has good things in mind for us. Because for us to really desire to spend time in prayer, to spend time in God, I think fundamentally we must first recognize that God is for us, that God is good, that God has good things in mind for us and for the world. And may we all collectively be part of that.